0: ready to stop stress, anxiety, and low self-esteem from running your life? Join award-winning author Dr. Friedman Schaub from Empowerment Radio as he addresses some of the most prevailing challenges in our day-to-day lives. Find out how you can use the power of your mind to overcome self-sabotaging patterns and build a solid foundation of confidence and self-respect. Learn cutting-edge tools and approach every day with great ease, joy, and purpose. This is the time to empower yourself. Now, here's your host, Dr. Friedemann Schaub.
2: Welcome to Empowerment Radio. It's another Wednesday and another topic to empower ourselves and Like uh, always on the third Wednesdays of each month, I have a very special guest invited who will share today his view on one of life's truths, one of life's, you could say, inevitable facts that no one of us can escape, which is aging. The topic of today's show is Courageous Aging, which is also the title of the book of my special guest, Dr. Ken Druck. But we'll talk about this in a moment. First of all, I would like to welcome Carter, the new producer who is replacing Justin, who has been riding off to other pastures. Welcome, Carter, to the show, and thank you so much for supporting me on this really always exciting time once a week. (laughs) Well, we uh, had already a little curveball thrown at today. Carter's first show with me wasn't necessarily a smooth ride, and that has to do with the fact that my very special guest, Dr. Druck, has been stuck. Stuck in New York in one of those northeastern snowstorms, which seem to come every other day these times. And uh, so his plane was delayed. He couldn't actually fly out. And so we had to pre record the whole uh, interview since uh, he would be on the plane when we actually have our show right now. So we did this this morning and uh, Carter has and had to figure out how to then piece it all into the framework of the show. So, congratulations. We'll see that you actually did a good job. I'm sure you did, but it's definitely already a little challenge that you had to face. Now, before we go into this really important and exciting and, for me, more and more uh, crucial topic, aging. All of us are facing it, as I said, but... I would like to give a little shout out to a summit that my friend Leah Luntz has started and I happen to be a guest on this summit. It is called Reboot Your Brain 3.0. So it's the third time that she does it. And uh, what the summit is about, which I think is a little bit different, uh, is that it focuses on how we can change our brain to stop feeling overwhelmed. Emotional eating, depression, addictions, low energy, insomnia, pain, pure fo- poor focus, and burnout. And so she invited really fabulous uh, specialists and experts in their fields from all different kinds of, uh, uh, you know, let's say, alternative medical options, but also psychiatrists and psychologists and and uh, put together a really nice event that will help you if you feel that you are, for example, burning the candle at both ends and now it's taking a toll on your brain and your health. Or when you feel like, I want to be more clear and focused and and comfortable in my own skin, but when I wake up, I already feel negative about myself. Or maybe you feel like that you are just struggling with a particular condition like it can be a food addiction. It can be that you feel in general foggy and often tired or dealing with feeling easily distracted, feeling that you just don't have the zest of life anymore. In this summit, you will learn how to balance your brain chemistry and your hormones. That's what Leah Lund is all about. She is actually... A, an expert in uh, neuro-nutrition, helping people through nutrition to uh, balance their their brain chemistry. Also, you will learn how to break through emotional eating and addictions. You train your brain for new thoughts and new habits, how to move beyond fear and anxiety, which I love to talk about, as you know. And other experts will talk about how to recover from brain injury or concussion. So it's really a really full panel of very interesting topics. And the best thing, of course, it's for free and you can sign up. That's a little challenging because the URL is a little complicated. So you may want to have a pen and paper or just email at info at thefearandanxietysolution.com all in one word, fear and we'll send you the URL to the summit so the URL, if you have a pen and paper, is onewholehealth.com. So one all in words, not in uh, in numbers. So one whole health, all in one word. dot com forward slash summit dash three dash zero dash opt forward slash. So again, onewholehealth.com forward slash summit Dash three dash o dash opt forward slash. So join me and all the other speakers on this summit. It's a video webinar and I think it can give you a lot of insights and tools on how to reboot your brain. Now, rebooting your brain may also be something when you're struggling with aging. Now, I don't know about you, but uh, I'm slowly but surely in my mid 50s and I notice certain wrinkles and the white hair is starting to be more visible and actually also there are certain aches and pains that I didn't know were there before. The question is just, is it driving us nuts if you feel the same way? Are you pretending that you're still able to run as fast and work as hard as you did 20 years ago? Are you looking yourself in the mirror and feeling disgusted by what you see, disconnected from reality? Are you someone who also is buying into the multibillion-dollar business of Defy Aging, which offers creams and potions and surgeries and all those wonderful things, to stay young with the intention or the idea that staying young means staying happy? Or are you more on the, I'm accepting that I'm aging? Of course, still taking care of yourself is wonderful. Still making sure that your skin has the nutrition it needs just as the rest of your body. That's, I believe, something that shows self-care. But the question is, where are you emotionally when it comes to aging? Are you simply ignoring it, not want to think about it? Or are you facing it? Do you feel when you think about aging and becoming maybe less vital, breaking out in a cold sweat? Or are you already making some arrangements or at least getting some ideas on what is plan B? What are the next steps to take? What do I want to focus on? How do I want to maybe rearrange my life? I believe aging has so many complex challenges that we sometimes really overlook the gift and the beauty about aging. And that is what courageous aging is all about. And I just read you a little paragraph of what uh, Dr. Ken Drug was writing about courageous aging. For you, living and aging courageously could turn out to be any number of things, no matter what your age, including the following. Showing yourself kindness, compassion, and patience as you face the changes and challenges of getting older. Facing and conquering what you most fear about aging. Allowing your heart to fill with gratitude, celebrating the blessings in your life, and then figuring out how to pay them forward. Opting out of society's blueprint for aging, which typically involves avoidance, denial, and youth worshipping and instead fashioning one of your own. Taking the mantle of social responsibility as you consider what sort of world you want to leave behind. Making peace with life's terms as you learn to embrace the larger scheme of things and developing an honor code for the second half of your life along with the health spiritual, interpersonal practices that make it possible. So when you really think about what is courageous aging about, what aging can be, it can be really a chapter that is completely different from all those chapters that you have lived so far. In the interview with Dr. Druck, we talk about how for him aging was a very freeing, And also calming journey. He's 69 years old now and he just feels through aging, not slowing down in regards to collapsing and becoming smaller, but actually he feels more creative and more a desire to share the gifts and the wisdom and the experiences that he has gained on his journey. And the process that he's describing in his book I think it's really a process that we all, no matter how old we are, can use to prepare ourselves for the inevitable, that at some point we are reaching that point where our body may slow us down and our mind may slow us down, but that doesn't mean that our heart needs to close down. So we will talk about all of this in the recording that I have uh, made this morning with uh, Dr. Druck, who is... Uh, a true pioneer in human potential and uh, certainly someone who is well known as a regular guest on CNN, PBS and many network news he has written several books also about grieving about the psychology of man and how to talk to your children so he's a fascinating man with a real wealth of knowledge so enjoy the interview there unfortunately it is not always the best connection since he was since he was really sitting literally at JFK waiting for his plane. But I think uh, you will still get a lot out of it. So stay tuned for this interview right after the break.
0: Be you plus live your purpose equals joy. That's the motto of Unstuck Joy with Vicki Todd. Vicki believes you were born with gifts that are meant to make the world brighter. Each show will feature an art visioning journal prompt to help you create your way to soul clarity. If you're ready to get unstuck and create more joy, this show is for you.
1: Tune in the first and third Tuesday at 3 p.m. Pacific on Transformation Talk Radio. For more information, visit VickiWorldArt.com.
0: In this day and age, if you don't reinvent yourself, you may never find balance, peace, and the sustainable life that is your birthright. Angela Watson-Robertson, known as the Reinvention Warrior and the host of Breakthrough Radio Show, Masters of Reinvention, is here to help you reinvent every area of your life. Tune in and hear from the best in the personal transformation business and discover tips and tools for positive change. Live every month on Transformation Talk Radio.
1: Tune in to Mainstream Metaphysics Radio to harness your connection with the universe to effect change for optimal success and happiness. Name one of the country's top psychics. Eve now brings her insights and gifts to this weekly hit call-in show. Joined by visionaries, leaders, and gifted others, but mostly you. Jot it down. Thursdays, 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, on TransformationTalkRadio.com
2: Well, welcome, Ken, to Empowerment Radio. Courageous Aging is your newest book. And I have to say, when I read to it, uh, I mean, I'm not the youngest of uh, people anymore, but uh, I was kind of looking forward to aging (laughs) and getting older because the way you wrote uh, about aging in the book and the suggestions you made are truly empowering. And so I want to thank you in the name thank of you. the many people that will grab this book and will actually have a different, uh, more inspirational view on aging. Thank you very much for sitting down and writing it.
4: Thank you, Friedman. I, it's you know we have to change conversation on getting older. You know if we're fortunate, we get older, and I, the question is how do I make this moment. And these moments to come, my best years ever, uh, that that's the only question. And, and there are specific ways that we can do that. But we've got to change the conversation because there's too many good things ahead.
2: Well, we also have to change the uh, conversation because at some point, and maybe this is happening already, uh, we older people will be in the majority. And so this is a huge part of... Uh, of society worldwide, that really is, in some ways, I believe, and I'm not sure you view, pushed aside
4: a little bit and ignored, and, uh, and that's absolutely. Certainly. We now, still live in a youth worshipping world, exactly. and you're you're absolutely right. In the U.S. alone, 120 million people will be over 65 by the year 2020, and that's nothing compared to looking at India and China and other parts oh. of the world. But we are an aging world, and uh, I, I'd like to think of us as ripening. And how do we somehow use these years uh, as our best years, not just individually, to make quality of life decisions and experience quality of life, but to really leave a legacy that we can all be very proud of.
2: Well, that is one part of the book that I really enjoyed, which was kind of later chapters which we will get into but first of all how did you even come about writing this book what what uh, inspired you to do that
4: thank you for asking i you know i have written a book in every one of the major seasons of my life uh, as a young man i was fascinated with you know the psychology of who i was as a man i knew that the basic training i got was not going to win me intimacy. It was not going to get me to the point of being the kind of father I wanted to be, the kind of husband I wanted to be, and how I wanted to be with myself, my own self-health, my own personal development and, and growth. So I wrote a book called The Secrets Men Keep, and that was for that season of life. I then wrote a book about how to talk to your kids. Uh, I was raising two daughters, or they better yet, they were raising me. <laughs> And and after a major tragedy in my own life, the loss of my oldest daughter, I wrote a book about uh, grief literacy and how we live in a, a world and and many of our cultures really uh, look away from, avoid the issues of loss and don't process them in such a way that it it makes us lesser than we could be. Um, and then finally, you know, in this latest season of my life. Um, I I have been I've watched the clock ticking. You know, we get into our sixties, and we have to realize that life is a lease deal.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: And how do we prioritize the time we have left? What's most precious and important? And also, how do we opt out of some of these negative messages about you know how we are going to lose value, put us out on the ninety-nine cent rack because you know we have we we're diminished. We're going to lose value rather than the truth is, and and the truth is known in other parts of the world better than in the West, that, you know, in India, for example, in age 60, when we look at the the stages of life, age 60, you're just waking up. You're just Mm. beginning to come into your fullest uh, experience Mm. of life, your fullest potential, your wholeness as a human being, Uh, the insecurities, the desire to please and placate, the complacency is gone. You're a fully awake human being. So um, I decided that I needed to immerse myself in this world and and deeply understand what was going on in my own life. And if I found something that was important and valuable to share it with other people, which I've done most all my life, and that's why Courageous Aging. And And I listened to Maya Angelou who said courage is the greatest virtue. It's embedded in every one of the other virtues. And I I really believe that. So courageous aging is the process of facing into what we're experiencing and, and making sense of it and changing our trajectory so that we really do become the better, smarter, more courageous, more understanding and compassionate version of ourselves.
2: Why do you believe so many people resist aging, especially in our time? It feels almost you have to hide that you're younger. You still have to appear like a 30-year-old while you're 75. What, what is that
4: about? Well, I think we still we have an underlying and deeply embedded belief that we lose value because we're older and we can't do some of the things that we used to do. We're in this perpetual state of grieving our younger self. And we're also afraid of the decline and we're afraid of death. Right. And I think because we we really don't face into the fact that we're changing, we don't embrace our older selves, we don't learn how to do that, nor do we come to terms with and make sense in any way, shape, or form of of dying. Mm-hmm. of the fact that life, life is a lease deal we drain and deplete ourselves, and we live in dread and fear. And, but once, the amazing thing is, once we face into those issues that are causing us fear and dread, we liberate ourselves, the emotional freedom, and we get to use every day of the rest of our lives, whatever time we have, in a way that's precious and meaningful, purposeful, and deeply spiritual.
2: So, are you saying that the fears at some point disappear? The fears of, yeah, not having they so diminish. much
4: value—they diminish. Mm-hmm. I think they diminish. I think rather than being paralyzing, you know, I think we're all works in progress. Right. I, I, I think you know a lot of the things we work on, whether it's intimacy, whether it's overcoming certain fears or anxieties in the course of our lives. We don't just, you know, get it and it's gone forever. And I think these things kind of bubble back up when we are when we get stronger and we're ready to deal with the next layer of the onion. I think things come, come back up to us. So And death is one of those things. But I think there is, we have an enormous capacity to understand life's terms, how life truly is, and to make peace with it we don't have to like it, we don't have to love it, we don't We don't have to, but we can live in the mystery of it, rather than the paralyzing fear of it, and we can deepen our understanding of what this life truly is, and open ourselves to the greater possibilities of, of the great beyond, of what happens beyond this life, this form as we know it.
2: My work faces on resolving and uh, outgrowing old fear and anxiety patterns, especially on the level of the subconscious. But the goal is ultimately to gain a deeper understanding and appreciation for yourself, for that truth that doesn't go away, that doesn't age, that doesn't change, but it's just, you know, your foundation So would it be fair to say the earlier we start embracing our truth, the easier we will age because we are not so attached to our identities and appearances?
4: Absolutely. I think the more we cultivate and embody the understanding or a sense of peace or reconcile the, the less likely we're going to be live in living in avoidance and terror and fear, that eats up and wastes the time of our lives, and that also prevents us and inhibits us from going deeper, from realizing, uh, gaining a sense of equanimity, gaining a sense of what we're a part of that's larger than this. You know, I just came from. I, I was blessed to spend. Uh, 10 days in the Galapagos. Mm. And the Galapagos Islands are the most magical place uh, of purity. And when you know you look at the Galapagos Islands and how they were formed and what's happening to them and how these beautiful creatures exist on these islands and how they've survived and adapted, they think of things in terms of mid-year cycles. Right. That's right. Not, you know, we think of things in small cycles, You know, like a lifetime of... 70, 80, 90, 100 years maybe. But this is million-year cycles and we get to experience the enormity and the expansiveness of this universe that we're a part of and and uh, how, how far-reaching it is and how big the mystery is that we're a part of. And it, it 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 I think that kind of expansive experience allows us to be more at ease and more at peace and to reconcile what we are a part of, just as you're saying, uh, and reduce those fears and anxieties and allow us to enjoy the time we have and and the miracles and the gifts and the blessings that we have.
2: So true and uh, very well said. So we will take a quick break and we'll be right back with Dr. Ken Druck, the author of Courageous Aging, and we'll talk more about the mastery in the game of life and how to just approach this next chapter with greater ease, peace and freedom. Stay tuned. We will be right back.
1: Interested in deepening your spiritual practice? The School for Esoteric Studies offers online training to spiritual seekers from all paths of life and individual coaching. Our courses synthesize Eastern and Western spiritual traditions based on meditation, study, and service applied to everyday life. To learn more about our courses and services, please visit www.esotericstudies.net. Winning at the game of money, Lynn Brown is now offering Full Spectrum Finance, a progressive 12-month program that will help you to navigate through the mechanics of financial expansion. Finally, a financial planner who looks at the full spectrum of money and abundance, engage you in the mental, physical, and energetic aspects of finance. This is Full Spectrum Finance. Are you ready to get into it? For more information, go to fullspectrumfinance.com.
2: Welcome back uh, with Empowerment Radio. I'm here with Dr. Ken Druck, the author of Courageous Aging. And we just talked about that there are ways to approach aging with greater ease and peace. And and I just want to quote from your book, just a little f- um, paragraph that I really found was beautiful. Uh, you said, by the time I hit 50, I had let go of many of the things that plagued me in my younger days. As a young Author of 35, I cared more than I'd like to admit about appearances, notoriety and fame. And now, I may worry about those things momentarily, and then the knowing part of me kicks in. I smile and take a deep breath, knowing I'm the best me that I can be. And that's enough. The confidence that I've grown in my mastery of the game of life, including the keen awareness of how little I really know for sure, brings a feeling of peace and freedom. Yet another perk on the main possibilities I couldn't have imagined as a younger man. Now, I love that because I think so many of us are obsessed with what other people are thinking, how we appear, what's our image. And you talk about the knowing part and the mastery in the game of life. How are they connected and and how did you meet your knowing part? Was it always there, or did it evolve
4: over time? I think it evolved over time, Friedman. I think I think we, you know, when we really have a work ethic and we say to ourselves, you know, what I'm going to become awake. I'm going to reflect about how I'm feeling. I'm not just going to be this reaction i'm going to reflect about how i feel what i'm experiencing what i'm going through i'm going to find trusted confidants and teachers and mentors who i can who, I can, who can help me better understand when experiencing make sense of it and make good choices i think you know i've been on that path for a long time just out of curiosity and the desire to make highest use of of the time and the relationships and the opportunities that I have, as well as to, to be more resilient and to face into the adversities that life has presented for me, losses that I've suffered, setbacks, dry spells that I've gone through—that I think all of us go through. Mm-hmm. So I think you know when we see that there's an opportunity, the benefits of of really being on a path of uh, having a, a work ethic and being on a path of growth, self improvement, continuous improvement, and awakeness, you know, whatever our practices are that get us there, when we when we do that, I think we develop a greater mastery. Even if we don't, if we don't even notice how much we've grown, some of us have just grown wonderfully. We've deepened. We're calmer. We're more approachable we're more loving, we're more unconditionally understanding, more compassionate and because we've transformed diversity into opportunity because we've we've get gotten ahead of the pain curve in life and the reaction curve And our responses are uh, we have more options and our responses tend to be more effective. So I think you know that's that's what's been there for me and that's the path I've been on and 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 I'm happy. I, I'm so much happier, and so much more calmer and more secure, uh, not having to be a slave to what one of my mentors used to call status insecurity. Mm-hmm. Mike Friedman, who wrote the book Type A Behavior in Your Heart, was a mentor and friend of mine. And Mike used to talk about how Type A behavior is tied to status insecurity. We're always looking over our shoulder to see how we look and how we're doing and mm-hmm. whether we're lovable and, and pleasing and approvable and, right. and beautiful enough. And, you know, and you know what, it, it, when we calm our hearts, when we look, when we're able to look in the, my, in the mirror and, and put our arms around that person, that's the start of something good in every direction. That self-compassion, that self-acceptance instead of self-judgment, rejection, self-condemnation, self-deprecation?
2: Well, it reminds me of my father, who was someone who certainly had a type A personality and at times was a little bit of a rageaholic and how he, in his older age, really learned to be calmer, to not react, to also in some ways have more understanding and And uh, acceptance of the choice, for example, his son made that were not always the choices he would have made. And uh, that's certainly something that can come with age if, and I think that's a big if, if there is a certain kind of uh, introspection. You know, in our time, there is a problem which I see Uh, we don't really know the end of it yet, which is that we are avoiding pain. We are avoiding discomfort. We are not looking inside. We are looking on social media or any kind of media to get distracted from ourselves. And so I'm wondering if you notice, you also have a practice where you help people. If you notice that people age or have a harder time with aging, maybe because they have a harder time to... Go inside and maybe take an inventory, or have this what you call in the book a self audit, because they rather not dwell on pain and loss and failures and just look outside for some kind of
4: comfort and joy. Yeah, I love the way you said that. And by the way, you and I had similar fathers, you know, and uh, you know, deciding to become our own men and learning. From our fathers, their pain or their avoidance, mm-hmm. or their misappropriation of anger, uh, were probably strong life lessons for both of us. but i I believe that you know we we have a choice. Yes, I think as we get older, there's the opportunity to soften, to open our hearts
3: mm-hmm.
4: and to soften our hearts. That's why so many, People claim they're better grandparents than parents. You know, they, they they turned out to be better grandparenting than they were at parenting because they've softened and they're more patient and they're kinder and a more allowing. They've, they've embraced their own softness, their own vulnerability, and they can reflect that with their grandchildren better than they did when they were parents trying to be the perfect parent in, in a younger season of life. So I think we do have some extraordinary choices as we get older and as we soften and as we ripen. And uh, we can become crusty. We can, the world can become smaller. We can contract. Uh, 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 we can avoid, hide, deny, repress, and run away from and numb ourselves and become the dumbed-down version of ourselves.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: And the world invites us to do that as we get older. It right. invites us to join a shrinking world where we're devalued. We're supposed to retire and and go in uh, you know, go to pasture, right? And kind of age out. Yeah. But you and I are probably experiencing the opposite. You know, I turned sixty nine last week, mm-hmm. and I'm in a more creative, energized phase of life than than I've ever been. I'm writing prolifically. Mm-hmm. I I am speaking. I spoke to you at the United Nations yesterday. Um, I'm, I'm experiencing a kind of reinvention and resurgence in energy in my life. And I'm keeping myself on a learning path. I'm still very curious. I'm keeping my curiosity alive and all the possibilities for new learning and growth. I think we can make that choice. And when we do, it pays off. It suddenly... We have, we're living in the in one of the most interesting seasons of our lives,
3: mm-hmm.
4: and and we're attracting people who are who are doing the same. So I think we have to decide what we're going to cultivate. Are we going to cultivate withdrawal and isolation, and opting into you know what? There's one trillion dollar anti-aging uh, industries in the U.S. alone that are trying to brainwash and convince us, most of us, that staying forever young is the answer to happiness. And um, when we opt out of that, we find that true happiness comes from embracing that older version of ourselves and finding value in that older version of ourselves and celebrating that older version of ourselves and feeling the youth and vitality that is forever there in the older version of ourselves then we're on a good path.
2: This has a lot to do then also with being willing to reinvent yourself like this, you know, title of the book also includes which which I find is for many people so hard. They had uh, a certain kind of identity in their work or in their usefulness or in their community and then all of a sudden they feel like well who am i now that i'm not that person anymore and and i'm just wondering you suggest the process in the book about self auditing and uh, you mentioned that we often grow without even noticing it's like you know the little lines on the wall when we are younger that show us wow we actually have yes. so many inches And we don't have those lines necessarily on the wall. We are not looking back how much we grew. So, does this self auditing help people? That what you describe in the book. Yes. To see, I'm actually much more than just those old job descriptions and
4: identities. Absolutely, you've the bullseye. You know, I I I put the self audit at the front of the book and the and the audio book that I um the courageous aging audio book. Purposely, so that people could begin to you know get your foot off your throat, stop devaluing yourself. Look at look at and appreciate and and be grateful to the the things you've done to grow, the things you've accomplished, the things that you can stand on proudly and behind proudly. And when we do a self audit, it's not only about you know where we're still very young where we're still very vulnerable it's a, it's about it's about the whole picture it's about how we're how our vulnerability is one of our greatest strengths how we're a work in progress where we've made tremendous strides forward in our lives that we can appreciate but it also identifies the hot spots the opportunity spots the places where we have the greatest opportunities to grow to grow stronger diminish our fear, to diminish our anxiety, to diminish our sense of dread, and to reimagine our best possible years, to redraft the vision that we have, not just a a bucket list, but a a full-on vision for how we want to live in this new season of our life with whatever transitions we've gone through, whether they're transitions in years because we turned sixty five or seventy or seventy five, But transitions because you know we've got a diagnosis mm-hmm. that tells us we're mortal or because we've had a change in our relationship or because, as you said earlier, we've we've changed our our job status and changed. They're taking a different role in work, mm-hmm. or we've retired or or we've changed our career in some way the fear of losing our identity our worth and our status how to overcome that and see ourselves anew and that's that's why I wrote the book because I think that's such a critically important part of our happiness of our finding our path forward to joy
2: Well, that is really the next uh, point that I wanted to make which is about this, uh, this looking forward. And what we are facing when we are aging, looking forward is often that what we also avoid, which is loss, which is dying. And you uh, have really addressed this beautifully in the book. You certainly have, um, as you said, more creativity. You feel more expansive. And, and part of the looking forward for you in the book was also about making a difference for the generations to come. And can you talk a little bit more about that? Because I think it's a wonderful goal and uh, and mission in mind to say, well, yes, I may be leaving at some point soon, but I want to set already the stage and help these next generations to you know have it easier or have it better or learn from my mistakes and the things that I have learned along the path.
4: I think, Friedman, one of the great things we have to look forward to since we are accepting the idea that we're not going to live forever and we are, our form is going to change and we move into this great mystery called death. One of the things we can do to bring meaning and purpose to our lives is to plant a giving tree that our children, our grandchildren, future generations can sit in the shade of mm and that the sun can come through, and that we have a sense that we have given something that is going to improve the quality of life for future generations or for our children or grandchildren. And I think that is that that shows that we are showing our gratitude that as our lives, as we enter this new season of life, and uh, perhaps in the third or fourth quarter of life, We're realizing how much, how grateful we are. And as an expression of that gratitude, the life we've been given, this miracle that we've been given, we're going to pay the good that we've experienced forward. And we all have ways of doing that. Sometimes it's simply showing a kindness. Sometimes it's making a video talking about our background, our ancestors, who we were, that our grandchildren and their grandchildren will be able to watch in the future. Sometimes it's a gift that we give to make sure that a, a, one of the parks in where we live will be preserved for our grandchildren or for future generations, or the environment will be protected. Everybody has their own individual way of doing this, but paying the good forward is one of the most meaning, gives meaning to life. And it and it shows that we've arrived at a level of acceptance that we can continue to do things even though we're not here. We can pay our gratitude for in ways that will make a difference. But I think we you know, we have to do our work. It's hard work. For some people it's the hardest work they will do in their life to come to terms with this whole idea that, that of impermanence mm-hmm. that Our lives do not go on forever. And how do we reconcile that in an expansive way rather than being afraid and contracting? And there are specific things we can do to cultivate that kind of and make peace with life itself.
2: Well, and that is, like you said, in some ways often the hardest work because it really... Requires a lot of attention. It sometimes requires the willingness to let go, to accept, and also to forgive, especially oneself. But then it also is this acceptance of loss. And uh, you had certainly some loss in your life, but one of the hardest losses anyone can experience is when you lost the loss of a child and you lost your daughter when she was just 21 years old. But what I found Beautiful about how you wrote about it, and and I believe truly that your daughter gave you a gift after her passing. Is what happened when you heard her inside? Can you talk about this a little bit? Because I find this very comforting what happened to you there.
4: Well, I think paradox is the highest form of understanding loss. My daughter is gone. When she was on a study abroad trip in India and when her body was returned, thanks to the President Clinton at the time, when her body was returned home, it was clear that my daughter was gone. She was no longer in that body, that beautiful body that carried her for 21 years. But she's also here, on, and she's here because her presence is so clear to me. She is right here. She's with me always. Her voice, her heart, her love resonates. And I believe that there is a kind of love that never dies, that a father has for a daughter or a daughter has for her father or that people have for their life partners uh, or their parents. And that love never dies. And the way we keep it alive is to continue to express it Now, does that mean that I know what the true nature of the universe is, what life and death is? No, I don't. I don't know for certain what happens, but I get to bet my faith so that I can make a guess and and say, you know what? I hope and pray that somehow my daughter and I might be reunited in some way, shape, or form that we would be together again. Now, that may sound like magical thinking, but who knows the true nature of life and death? I don't. We we are soaring through space on a grain of sand in a universe that is so big and expansive and mysterious. How dare I be arrogant and presumptuous enough to say that I, that I know what life is or I know what death is. So I keep my heart open and... And I keep my daughter a lot in my heart. I tell her I love her every day. And I listen for her love. I feel her butterfly kisses. I feel her love. And so does her. I I call her my angel daughter. And I have an earth daughter
3: Mm. who
4: lives not far from me as well. Mm. And um, she's a very intimate part of my life. Uh, When we started a foundation called the Jenna Druck Center in her name to help other families, we made her the chief angelic officer, the CAO. <laughs> and uh, that was her position. Uh-huh. Because I feel like she is my spiritual guide. Mm. But loss is, as you're saying, we have to become more grief literate and less grief avoidant.
3: Right.
4: And knowing you cannot age courageously unless and until you become more aware of how to process the losses because when we don't process the losses of our lives, when we try to outrun them and out-busy them and out them uh, or out-medicate them, um, we, we own the debt comes due eventually and it comes due hard. But when we process the losses, we become the deeper version, more compassionate, wiser, Uh, version of ourselves and we become the more resilient, stronger version of ourselves, the more accepting of life, how it truly is. I believe that,
2: um, you know, what you also mentioned in the book about aging and being able to expand the present moment and therefore live more in that present moment, almost like you're extending your life, has also to do with the relationships that you're in, that they become more fulfilling and love-centered, and uh, we appreciate more the time we have. I noticed this with my parents who died a few years ago, both very shortly, one after another, and... And even though it was sad and there was grief, I also felt that uh, in those last uh, five years of their life, I I did the maximum I could to spend time with them, to talk to them, to connect with them. So in some ways, the loss wasn't as hard because there was no regret to it. And I think a lot of loss that we are dealing with has to do also with, oh, I wish. There is a feeling of, we were so busy, we were so distracted, we were yes. running around, we yes. were not really connecting. And so that may be also one way to really already prevent yourself from falling in one of those painful holes of loss, which is the regret, if you now spend that maximum energy and focus on those you really love and care
4: about. You hit it right in the right in the center. That is the primary concern you know we we don't want to leave unfinished love we don't want to leave one i love you left unsaid you know we have this incredible opportunity to give it all away mm. everything we have to give it in a purposeful loving way and to leave what i call and there's a chapter in the book called leaving a legacy of love that's it Mm -hmm. That's the only legacy, not a legacy of undone, unspoken I love yous, unfinished business thing, and or chaos, because that's the other element. The other way we say I love you is not to leave a mess.
3: Mm -hmm.
4: You know, I started a project about a year and a half ago where I started, you know, I've got a lifetime of papers I've written and courses and speeches and files and clutter and uh, my parents also passed so i have some of many of their things how do i not leave a mess if something happens to me that you know my family is going to have to spend a year getting looking for things getting organized so it's so it's such an expression of love yeah. when we put our house in order and we don't leave our families with a cluttered mess and uh, I've made that one of my goals. And I think, you know, we don't do that because we're planning on dying, just as we don't buy life insurance because we we plan on dying. We buy it so that we can live at peace, knowing that we've taken care of what needed to be taken care of and that our families will be left with a legacy of love.
2: Well, in this kind of creating order and decluttering your life, I think you cannot start early enough. But unfortunately, we are running out of time. But I want to have you just share maybe one thought for the future older generation that are right now in their 20s and 30s. What advice would you give them?
4: Well, I would look you in the eyes and have you look into my eyes. They're a little more crinkled. My hair is a little more gray. Um, I, I'm, I look older than the younger version of myself and I would smile at you and I'd look at whatever version of you, whether you're whatever season of life, and I would look at you and smile and assure you that, you know what? It's okay. This is the way of life. And isn't it wonderful that we've been given this gift of meeting of being able to talk just as you and I today, Friedman, have have been able to share with one another. Isn't that a beautiful gift that we got to have, that we got to share and to be grateful for it and to hope for another conversation soon or when we can't meet again and to or even meet not over the telephone uh, or over the radio, but to meet in person, to hope for the best, to plan for the best, There's an old saying, if you don't know where you're going, you'll get there. To plan for that best, to reimagine our best possible futures, and then to create a trajectory to live into that truth. Wow. I look forward to meeting everybody. I look forward to meeting as many people as I possibly can. And uh, I wish everybody a vibrant, long life, a good life, a a beautiful and precious moment of sharing and uh, and thank them for and thank you and the empowerment radio for the service that you provide connecting all of us. Well I thank
2: you this was so wonderful full of warmth and inspirations and uh, we could talk for hours and hopefully we will meet at some I will point. I look forward again. to that. Me too. So I thank I you very much. This was another hour of empowerment radio. Uh, Stay tuned for the next show. We will be back on Wednesday. Until then, take good care and enjoy every moment of this precious life. Goodbye. You've been
0: listening to Empowerment Radio with Dr. Friedemann Schaub. Join Dr. Friedemann the first and third Wednesday each month at 11 a.m. Pacific as he addresses some of the most prevailing challenges of our daily lives. Discover how you can use the power of your mind to overcome stress, anxiety, and overwhelm and create a solid foundation of confidence and self-esteem. Learn cutting-edge tools so that you can approach every day with great ease, joy, and purpose. To learn more about what Dr. Schaub can do for you, visit TheFearAndAnxietySolution.com.